Welcome back to the Be A Light Podcast. It's your boy, K. Sloan. Here with my dog. Jay Jones. Jay Jones. Mm-hmm. Another one. <laughs> hey. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we have two special, special guests today. This is the Educators Parents of Students edition. You guys, we care about y'all so much. Y'all working so hard. So we brought y'all a special version of the Be A Light Podcast. And we're going to let them introduce themselves. So uh, we'll go ahead and let uh, Dr. Reyna, we'll start with you. And then work to you, Michelle. Hi, so my name is Dr. Angela Reyna, and I'm currently the principal at Parkland Pre-Engineering Middle School in Northeast El Paso. So glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I am Michelle Sandoval Viegas. I am an educator teacher here in the heart of the Northeast, Parkland Pre-Engineering Middle School. I teach seventh grade advanced math and leadership. I was also the 2020 Texas Secondary Teacher of the Year, and I am also the 2021 NEA Teaching for Excellence awardee for the state of Texas. So I'm really proud to be here, proud to represent Northeast El Paso and Isleta Independent School District. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I was about to see, I was about to get into that, but she already went ahead and laid it out for y'all. So yeah, y'all go ahead and feel that. Let that let that soak in. This is this is distinguished right here. And Jay Jones, <laughs> how you feel today? I'm a little nervous. I'm not gonna lie. You know what I'm saying? We got a lot of we got a lot of cause because Dr. Ray didn't even say nothing about what she I know. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, she, yeah. She... but how you feel though? I'm always good. I'm happy. That's I'm what I'm talking about. That's my dog. Hey. I'm always happy. Positive. Blessed. We're alive, so we're blessed. Blessed. After this year we had, that's that's a blessing to be able to be alive and be here and well. And then um, just to kind of piggyback off of what uh, Ms. Sandoval was saying, uh, Dr. Reyna is the middle school principal of the year for the region, right, right? And then she 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 almost, right, you was a finalist for for principal of the state, like uh, principal of the year for the state. So, I mean... You guys are rocking it. Like, you guys are rocking it, for real. And um, we got some topics we can go ahead and dive into. But before we get into that, I'd like you guys to give a brief introduction. Uh, I mean, I guess kind of, because we're talking about you guys and what y'all have done. How did y'all feel like y'all got to the point where you're at today? You know, talking about the development of, you know, where you guys have come from and what's influenced you to become the people you are because you guys are role models. I mean, you guys are representations of things that, our kids would aspire to be. I mean, so I just want to kind of get a background on like, you know, what kind of has filled you guys and your values and, you know, how'd you, how'd you get here? So Miss Sandoval, if we could start with you, how, how did you get to this point? So I was born and raised here in Northeast El Paso and my first grade teacher, uh, her name was Mrs. Chavez. And I really have dedicated all my accolades and everything to her because she was a first grade teacher here at Parkland Elementary School. She was a first year teacher and I was going through a lot of hardships uh, during my elementary years. My father was very ill, had open heart surgery and being told at a very young age that your father may not make it um, was completely crushing. I mean, and that's something that now uh, being an educator, I understand children are going through so many adversities many things that I went through as a child, but the number one thing that Mrs. Travis always did was she said, how are you doing? That was her first question as soon 
as my seven-year-old self walked in her doors, she would hug us. She would say, how are we doing? She was more than just a teacher to me. She was somebody who not only cared for me emotionally, but she also cared for my family. Um, and I kept in touch with her throughout all of my grade school years, invited her to high school graduation. I went through the Parkland Learning Community, elementary school, middle school, high school. My senior year of high school, I vowed at that time, I was an Isleta Education Foundation scholarship winner. And I vowed and promised at that time that I would come back into my community and I would teach in my same neighborhood. And so I graduated from Parkland um, High School as a valedictorian. So I was number one in my class. I was handed a, an abundance of full, full ride scholarships to any Texas university. And I chose to stay at UTEP because I said, no, 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 I need to stay in my community. I need to grow my own roots in my own community. And I want to teach those kids that are there because they deserve it. And so I had to wait three years until I got my first teaching job. I graduated during the Texas hiring freeze for three years. I almost thought I was going to end up becoming a nurse at that time. Uh, but thankfully, God doesn't make mistakes. And I actually started teaching third grade for 10 years, almost 10 years Ooh. at Mesita Elementary. And go. so that was on the west side of town, tier one school, wonderful school, uh, very affluent parents, uh, both parents graduated college. We're talking about students having uh, you know, money and, and, and being able to provide for themselves, those families. And about year nine, year 10, I said, I was yearning for something more, a little bit more. I was so happy to be at that campus, but you know, I knew in my heart that I wanted to go back to Northeast. So my old principal, which was a former principal at Parkland Middle School, Mr. Salgado, I wanna say that he, he was scouting me for about three years um, until it finally, I was a good fit in the puzzle. I was actually interviewed by Dr. Reina herself and some of the math team there at Parkland Middle School. And at first, Dr. Reina seemed very scary in my interview. She had like that look, you know, she has that principal look that's yeah. like puts you on your toes. I can see it. Um, I can see it. <laughs> but I was so honored <laughs> to come back into my community because I really truly inspire my students that if I can do it, they can do it. And everything that I do, as like you said in your mission statement, is authentic, is real, is raw. I tell them the truth and mm. I tell them my truth. And I really build those relationships. And, you know, I take those students that are have hard backgrounds and say, I want to drop out when I'm a freshman. And I make them change their mind because I say, you are worthy, you are worth it. And, you know, I just feel like I'm at home. Um, because this is my alma mater. I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. And now that my students see that I've been so successful, that's my prerogative is mm -hmm. if I can do it, so can they. And I want to continue to build up our, you know, our campus because like Dr. Rena has said before, usually when people say, well, where do you teach? I say, I teach at Parkland Middle School. And they go, mm, okay, why? And I said, because I love it. That's where I'm from. And I'm proud to be from the Northeast. So um, that's where, that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm teaching. And I'm super proud of what I'm doing. 
and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm so glad that I, you know, I was led into this path and that Dr. Reina and Mr. Salgado gave me a chance to be at Preckland Middle School. Now they call me and Dr. Reina the dynamic duo. So <laughs> um, we are definitely that force to be reckoned with. And Kobe and Shaq. She would like to be Jordan. Maybe <laughs> she would be Jordan, you Pippin. She wears Jordans every single oh, Friday. Yeah. She has rocking the J's on Fridays. So uh, we make sure that uh, my path was to be here to build that culture and to build all the positivity back into Northeast El Paso and just to be a, a little beacon of hope and light, especially during these really hard times. Mm -hmm for the, you know, the students and for the parents and our surrounding community, because um, we truly deserve every recognition that any school in El Paso or Texas can have as well. So really proud of where my path has led me to. And I'm just proud to work alongside with Dr. Reina and all the administration at Parkland Middle School. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's beautiful, Jay Jones. I mean, she made me maybe super proud to be a teacher, man. You know, that's that. There's a lot of stuff you're saying and stuff that I I'm thinking, and I've been teaching for a year, so um, <laughs> this is now my second year. But man, that's that's the mindset that I'm trying to cultivate and continue to uh, pull inside of myself and find. So I love hearing that, man. I love that. And Dr. Raina, uh Jordan, aka MJ. <laughs> well, I mean, my story it it's a little different. Um, so I did not grow up in Northeast El Paso. I did grow up in El Paso. Um, I went to uh, Jefferson High School, which is in South Central El Paso. And um, I mean, I wasn't like a big nerd. I wasn't one of those kids that, you know, oh, you know, this kid's going somewhere. I wasn't in the yearbook other than probably in the basketball group picture <laughs> and like the mandatory like individual picture. Like, you know, I didn't really excel you know, like Ms. Viegas did in school. But, um, you know, playing basketball was a really big part of my life. Um, it really, I, I just, you know, when you have coaches that believe in you, mm -hmm. then you just feel like you can do anything. And, you know, I still have contact with one of my, uh, with my freshman basketball coach. We actually, I ran into her into, uh, at a restaurant last year and we've been talking ever since. And so, um, you know, just having those people that influence you and coach you and, you know, they, they bring a lot to the table, especially when, you know, you feel like you're just an average kid. You know, I was an average kid, like literally didn't, wasn't on Dean's list. Wasn't, I was just like going to school, making it, trying to get out and see when was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was growing up, my family had a bakery here in El Paso. My dad ran the bakery and this bakery he owned uh, was called La Hacienda Bakery. And it was in the lower valley and it was right across the street from this little school. And the school uh, was Hacienda Heights Elementary. So when I was little, I used to work in my dad's bakery and you know making that the mexican bread and like the little piggies and the conchas and all the all that amazing bread that we still love today i used to make that bread with my dad and i used to go to work really early with him my dad used to wake up at four every morning to right. go like, literally make the donuts that was right. my dad and so um you know we didn't have disneyland vacations like it, i mean my dad worked he was cash rich credit poor so yeah. i mean 
you know, we were just making it like day to day and he ran this little bakery and, you know, uh, he always told me, you know, you need to get your education. You don't want to be, you know, like me getting up at four in the morning and working 16 hour days. Like I want more for you and your brother. And so, like I was saying earlier, you know, we grew up, um, you know, in this little house, you know, off Gateway South. Literally, the freeway is like the front yard of that house. Like there was nothing to do but be in the house. And so literacy was a really big part of our lives. Like our parents didn't buy us toys. They bought us books. We would just read and read and read. And I used to play school with my little brother and play library. And like, wow. those are just the things that I like to do. And, um, and actually my little brother, he's an attorney. And I tell him that he owes it all to me because he got his doctorate <laughs> before I did. Yeah. So like, I gotta, I gotta give him props for that. But um, you know, we literally came from nothing and, you know, it was all about the drive that we had. And I always kept it in my mind, you know, that nobody would ever take away my education, no matter what, they could take your house, your car, you know, the clothes on your back, but they can't take what's in your mind. And so when I started school, like kind of just like Ms. Viegas, it's funny. I had a Miss Chavez, my kindergarten teacher was named Miss Chavez. Wow. And, and I know it's like such a That's similar crazy. story. Um, you know, I, I had this teacher and she was just amazing. And uh, she noticed that when I came into kindergarten, I already knew how to read. And the reason why was because there was nothing in my house to do, but read newspapers and books. So I used to come in and she used to let me uh, put all the kids on the carpet and read, read to them during story time. So, um, you know, I was much more advanced uh, from the other kindergarten students. So they have this big meeting at the end of the year with my mom and my dad and they say you know what she needs to like go to straight to second grade she's already like so she doesn't need to go to first grade it's a waste of her time mm -hmm. so they end up promoting me so i go from kinder to second grade so i've always been younger than everyone throughout all my my academic career um because of that so i was always the baby so you know kind of growing up once i got into basketball you know, that's really where I felt like that was where I needed to be. And I love being part of a team. And when they made me like, like team leader to me, I was like a natural born leader. And that's really where the roots of my leadership came from was um, being on that basketball team and having the coach have uh, faith in me to lead the team and call plays. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that was everything to me. And so, you know, I, I graduated, I became a teacher. And so my very first interview was, where would you think? At Hacienda Heights Elementary School, at the school right across the street from my dad's bakery that I've been working at since I was like seven years old with him. So I interview and that night they call me and I got the job. And so I start working there and it's, you know, it's just, it just all came full circle that I was working in the same neighborhood, giving back to the same kids that I grew up with. So. Um, you know, my dad ended up selling the bakery and, and later on passed away. But, you know, I had such um, ties to that community. And I think that's really where I saw how much one person could have as far as impact to kids and to teachers. And that's really where the roots of like the love for culture came for me. And then um, I became an assistant principal. So I taught for four years and um, went to be an assistant principal at Beller High School in that feeder pattern. And I was there for a few years and I was at a couple of other schools. And then I went to be an assistant principal at Parkland Middle School, I wanna say like nine years ago. And I ended up staying there 
um, for about eight years and then um, went to another school, came back as the principal and, you know, just always had that love for Parkland. And I just, to me, I just felt like that school could do nothing but go next level. And they just needed someone who could take them there. And, you know, I really tried to build um, relationships with the teachers. Most of the teachers that are working there, actually, I hired them as an assistant principal. So, um, so that was really interesting. Hey, Hi, what's up? <laughs> it's what's me. your name? It's me. Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. Nice to meet you. I'm Carrie, Caleb. Okay, get down, honey. This is real life. This happens every time. Yes, every, every time. Hey, man, he said, I'm the star of the show, mom. Like, you need to get yeah. me in here. Like, this Close is... Every time I get on, you can ask Ms. Viegas. I could, I could have a faculty <laughs> meeting with 100 people and this kid steals a show each Caleb's time. like, I'm in here, ma. <laughs> yeah, he's all about it. Um, so like I was saying, you know, I just really felt like we could build that culture. And I mean, we've just taken off ever since. Just, you know, making sure that we consistently take care of, of teachers. Because to me, it's all about taking care of the teachers. If you take care of the teachers, they'll take care of the kids. And I think sometimes as principals, we're so focused on the kids that we forget about the teachers and teachers have such an impact on students. And so I've really made it my mission to support my teachers however I can, whether it's with a resource or planning time or, you know, they need the day off to do this or that. Like, I hate red tape. Like, I just hate it. So I try to remove all the but red yeah. tape so that they can just teach and do what they're supposed to do. And I remember as a teacher, so much red tape. You yeah. know, if I wanted to do this, well, this was the process. And it was like this 21 step process. And so I was like, nah, forget it. And so I try to simplify things so that teachers don't have to go through that. And I think really like that's made such an impact on the teachers at our school because, you know, they seem happy. You can tell when you walk into a school, you can tell, you know, what the culture of that school is, you know, within two, three minutes, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you've been in several schools, whether it's your own child's school mm -hmm. or a school you work in, you walk in and, you know, you, it's something that you can feel. It's like the mood. It's like Principal Kafele talks about the mood and the climate of a campus. It's like the attitude of a school. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I want people when they come into our school, that they feel like they're really part of something big. And I mean, you know, I think that it starts with me being the role model for our faculty and our staff, and it trickles down to the kids. And it's hard being a middle school, you know, teacher, principal, uh, staff member, because you're trying to grab these kids' attention. Mm. And these kids are like TikToking <laughs> and Instagram. All over the place. They're all <laughs> over the place. And I mean, if you can just capture, you know, their engagement for a short period of time, you better do something really good with it because before you know it, they're on to the next thing. And so that's one of the things that we try to do is we really try to hook our kids and be relevant. And that's why I wear the J's on Friday. And, you know, we do fun things like that because you need to be relevant to the kids that you're serving. And so, you know, we just like, I ask the kids, what are things that you want? I want AirPods. You know, I want, these are the things that the kids want. You know, th these are the things that they'll work for. Mm -hmm. Our kids, you know, they grow up and they're missing a lot. You know, they, they don't have the things that most kids have, you know, our kids, they're so blessed. They're spoiled. You know, they get AirPods for Christmas and they get new J's. 
sometimes two pairs they get the ps5s our kids are happy with like dunkin donuts and hot chocolate like they're such good kids and so you know just i think what i bring is i just try to bring that culture piece and just want to want the kids to have a really good middle school experience because that's like the make it or break it of k-12 is middle school you know they can really go down this road and it's not going to be such a good time or they can have a good experience and head to high school with a good head on their shoulders and some goals and so you and middle school to me is where you can have the biggest effect on kids so we just want to try to be positive role models and like miss viega says you know we have our work cut out for us we really do uh, yeah you, y'all doing a great job though i mean Aside from the things you guys have been able to accomplish as far as like awards and things like that, I mean, the the things I hear about y'all as far as like the relationships that y'all have built, that is the gold standard. And y'all are holding that standard, you know, with flying colors, man. Great, great job with that. And that's something that, you know, we all aim to do. And Jay Jones, I'm going to let him take it from here because we got a couple of things we wanted to dive in with y'all about, you know, a couple of topics we wanted to see what y'all think about, you know, kind of hear you guys' ideas on. All right, yeah. So the first topic we wrote down is uh, the importance of representation for our youth. So basically, uh, you know, people seeing uh, people of color, people of minorities in position of power, uh, how important is that? Or just speak on something like that. I mean, both of y'all are doing great. But like I said, y'all's story made me want to go back to middle school. So, yeah. <laughs> Not me, I ain't going back. <laughs> I, li- I like school though. So, I mean, I love it too. Yeah, it sounds good. But uh, yeah, just seeing people, you know, minorities and, and especially minorities and women in positions of power. So, just speak on something like that or experience that y'all have had or, you know. Uh, like for, for me, um, when I first won, you know, Texas Secondary Teacher of the Year, I was not only proud because, you know, I represent my city and I represent Texas. But I was proud because I'm Hispanic and I was a woman. Mm. And we want to influence every race, every gender, whether, um, you know, the LB, you know, LG, Mm -hmm. you know, every community out there, we want to make sure that everybody has a voice. And that's one thing that I fulfill within my classroom is that every single one of my students is allotted a voice and your voice needs to be heard. And that's one thing that when I won the NEA um, Teaching for Excellence uh, Award, I said that every student is entitled to a voice, no matter what your age was, what your gender, what your ethnicity was, where you grew up, whether you had money or you didn't, that every child needs to be heard and their wants and their needs. And that is something on, on top of building that culture that at our campus, we ensure that all students, whether they are at risk or they're excelling and they're in pre-AP classes, that we want the voice to be to be known and we want to know what they want. What are their aspirations? What are their concerns? And I think uh, people of power, you know, Dr. Reina, she's an amazing principal who, in, who invests in her teachers and her faculty and the students in the community. But what I love so much about her is that Although she is in a position of power, she can understand what we are all going through by showing empathy and showing compassion and being able to put herself 
within our shoes, within the teacher's shoes, within the student's shoes, and to be able to understand the real issues at hand. And I think right now more than ever, um, you know, students, minority students need to know that they can be successful because I'm a minority student. I was a Hispanic um, valedictorian, you know, and when I applied to scholar for scholarships, I was proud to check Hispanic on all my scholarship applications. I was proud to be a woman and nonetheless a minority, especially here in El Paso. Um, Parkland Pre-Engineering Middle School has, like I said, we're cut from a different cloth because we are the biggest campus in Northeast El Paso in 79924. So we have 1400 strong, about 1400 mm. strong students. We are one of the largest middle schools here in El Paso. And that is incredible because not only do we have the highest minority of students, about 85 to 90% of our students are minorities. So that says a lot about what we bring to the table in terms of what we teach and who we teach, because we have to understand that our students are born into poverty or our students are struggling financially or come from poverty or are homeless or come from orphanages or come through, you know, the social, the social work aspect and they, you know, they're coming from foster homes. So we have all of that. We have African American, Asian, we have Hispanic, we have Caucasian, and we're so close to Fort Bliss. And so mm -hmm. I think that anyone from our campus, they need to know that they're entitled to having a voice and people of power. Um, I really hope that, you know, one day we're going to have a female president and one of Ooh. a minority president. I'm so um, proud of Kamala Harris, you know, for representing um, women and representing women of color. And that is just so important to me. And I just want, you know, our students to really know, I know Dr. Reina is big on really inspiring our girls on our campus, um, you know, to go further in their education. You know, she's Dr. Reina. I mean, shoot, when I get my doctorate, they better be calling me that at Walgreens. <laughs> you know, Dr. All that school, man, they better call me that everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever I go. Wherever so, I go. um, Doctor. I love to make my students like we have a thing in our class. Um, I say, when you're proud of something, you better snap those fingers and be like, heck yeah, I did that. And so I create that positivity in my classroom. And when they get a 100 on a test, I don't care who you are, we're celebrating. Um, you know, we, we have moments to celebrate. So I know Dr. Ana being Hispanic and her growing up on, you know, South side, South side El Paso and me growing up in Northeast El Paso, we're proud to be minorities and we're proud to be from El Paso. You know, when people ask us where we're from, we say, um, El Paso, and then, well, where's that? Well, it's in Texas, but we yeah. always say El Paso because we're so proud of where we come from. So yes, everybody needs a voice. Our students need a voice. We need to advocate for our students to have a voice. No one should ever be muted. And we always give 110% effort in order to hear everybody's opinions and to value them and to respect them because that's the first um, sign of having respect and kindness in classrooms is to value and really respect and own each other's opinions a hundred percent. I love that, Michelle. And I love the fact that you said about the respect and the, when you're representing like 
us being teachers, when I, I teach at Isleta Middle School, just for anybody that didn't know, and um, mm-hmm. the demographics, bro, we're in the lower valley, so it's like the kids that we have, you know, some some people would think they're a little rough around the edges and things like that. That's kind of like the uh, stigma. But I love being able to be someone that like comes to a kid and I give them the opportunity to talk, you know, because some of these kids, they're not used to talking. Like everybody shuts them up because it's like, oh, you don't have anything good to say, especially outside of this environment. You could tell by the way they interact with you sometimes and being able to allow them to speak with you and um, feel like they're equal. And then they kind of see more for themselves, especially the young men. They gravitate towards me. It's like, I see them watching my every move. It's like, I got to represent well, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm, I'm of color. I'm in a position where they're like, man, you, you got these nice shoes on, mister. You got the nice shirt. You cleaned up. I may be the only little piece of light he has every day. You know, I don't know what his home situation looks like. So I take it upon myself to always give my best self forward for him to have a chance to be able to say that could be me that could be me even if I don't feel like I'm up to par all the time or whatever I don't feel like I can uh be in the right mental space to give him the right information so I I gotta fake it till I make it even when I'm not feeling like that guy you know and I feel like that's important so I love that you said that but uh Dr. Rain I'll let you go ahead and talk about that as well with the representation piece just how important that is because I mean you've done some things you're in a position where again a lot of little girls it, it's like this this right here is where you want to be you know so what how do you see that being uh you know playing a role in your development and what's your views on that well you know as a pre-engineering school we're really trying to bring um more girls into stem you know mm-hmm. into those higher paying uh jobs you know the coding mm-hmm. the uh, the mathematics, you know, the stigmas that girls don't like math. <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> this never happens in online learning, ever. <laughs> no, nah, never, never, ever. Never. Nah, it goes just as planned. <laughs> and then while my dog is having a fit over there in the living room. <laughs> hey, man, we like water, <laughs> man. We like water. That's it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just adapt. We learn to adapt. Exactly. Um, No, but like I was saying is, you know, we're really trying to get more girls interested in the hard sciences. And so um, I remember in 2017, um, I was still an assistant principal. And that's the year that I got my doctorate. And so I was a presenter there at our campus for International Women's Day. So what happened is they asked some people to come be, you know, guest speakers, and we invited a group of girls. And the girls that we invited were um, handpicked because they're going through certain situations and they just don't have those female role models. So in speaking with these girls, you know, they started asking me, well, how do you become a doctor? Like, what do you have to do? So we start having those conversations. And so fast forward, um, before you graduate, you have a hooding ceremony. I graduated from UTEP, so you have a hooding ceremony. And so I thought, well, the best way to show these girls what it's all about is to bring them there. So um, when I had my hooding ceremony, I asked the Dean for special permission to give me the whole front row for a group of girls that I felt really needed to be there and see this and kind of, you know, be there to celebrate with me and be in the moment. And so, you know, the Dean at the time thought it was a great idea. And so, um, you know, 
took all the VIPs out and put the brought the Parkland middle girls and they Real became VIPs. VIPs. That's cool. And so it was really cool because you know the parents brought them over to McGuffin Theater and you know they were a little intimidated because some of the parents didn't speak English and they've never been to a university. They were a little timid. They're like, we'll be in the back. And I'm like, no, you know, I want the girls sitting up here. So the girls sat in the front and they watched the whole ceremony. And um at the very end, you know, I talked to the girls, we took a picture and they were just like, oh my God, like, I want to do this one day, like, this is going to be me. And so I've had contact with some of the parents and they're like, you know, they, they still, my daughter still remembers when you invited her to UTEP and she sat in that front row, you know, she would have never had this experience had you not made it happen. And she still has it in her mind. They're in high school now, but they want to get doctorates because they know they can, because there's someone in their circle that's been there, done that. And, you know, there's less, and, you know, statistics tell us that less than 2% of the nation has a doctorate. You know, it's something mm -hmm. very rare. And then for a woman, it's even less, it's 1.2%. Mm -hmm. And then to be a Hispanic woman, it's probably even yeah. less than that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talk about having the odds stacked against you, you know, as far as a gender gap, I mean, this is it. And so, you know, it's really important to me to make sure that when I'm up there representing or when I walk the halls or whenever I have an interaction with the child or their family that, you know, I'm always representing the best self of me, you know, because I'm human, I'm going to make mistakes and, but I want the kids to see, you know, the real me and that I'm mm -hmm. a real person. Sometimes they'll see me at like Target and they're like, oh, Dr. Reina like buys milk. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like we're real people, we're you real know? Human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we eat and we, you know, we buy toilet paper like else. And so, yeah. you know, we just try, we just try to be real with the kids. And, you know, like Ms. Vegas was saying, you know, we, in, being in the Northeast El Paso, that is where we have the, the majority of African Americans do live in the Northeast and primarily it's always been like that. I mean, since I was little, right? The schools that they went to that were around there were had a higher percentage of African American. But to me, it's like, you know, they're like diamonds in the rough. Some of these kids, you, you know, are making straight A's, you know, they have, uh, you know, these big dreams and goals and all they need is one person to believe in them. And they come mm -hmm. from such hard lives. I mean, you know, their parents have been, you know, gone through a lot, you know, they're murdered, some of their parents are in jail. And so they need a lot of nurturing and a lot of care. And so that's what we're there to do is to provide that. And I mean, some of our kids now they're, you know, they're at MIT, and they're at UTEP, and they're at UT, and then they come back and, you know, Dion Hankins is one of our kids, we all know Dion Hankins, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, the story of Aaron Jones, you know, went to Burgess High School, he still comes back and, you know, he's still involved in the community and, you know, Khalid and all these, all these people that, you know, have made an impact outside of El Paso come back to serve and it just, that's what we're here to do. You know, it all comes full circle and, you know, I have such respect for Dion because Dion could have gone anywhere, you yeah. know, and chose to stay in El Paso and he comes back and he talks to our kids about how important it is you know to be you know whether you're African-American or Hispanic you know you come from a certain uh, area that you know you can achieve great things and the kids see him like they see someone who walk those halls and they know that it's possible for them because it's easy for you to see an Emmett Smith or you know someone who you know 
the rock Samoan, you know, you see someone <laughs> who makes it, but you don't have any relevance to them. Those are right. not real people to you. And the, you know, we are real people to our kids. So, you know, I think we're just always trying to achieve greater things so that our kids have someone to look up to. So uh, yeah, we love Dion. And our yeah, yeah. He's just he plays running back over at uh, UTIP. Uh, Jay Jones. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know Aaron Jones. I didn't, that's the one you were. Is that the one you were telling me about? That. Yeah, the, probably so. The one he rushed for like a hundred yards, like his first freshman game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, he's really good. You were saying he was gonna run he's, over the Longhorns. Amazing. Oh my God, and he has such you know faith, and you know gives all glory to God, and he's just so humble, and that's so important. You know, his he's just all about family and giving back to the community, and. Um, I mean, now he would be such a great guest, you know, for your podcast. He's hey, just- Dion, if you if you checking it out, we need you on the podcast. We now. need you, Doctor Randy. Shout you out, so that's the gold standard. You. you got it. Got to get you. Get you. <laughs> we have we have another one up and coming. He's not even a junior yet at Parkland High School. His name's Tyrone McDuffie. Okay. He was already invited to the national. He was picked as a national uh, player, not even being a junior yet. So oh. I mean, he yeah. is. I'm like, hey, Tyrone, save me the NFL tickets. <laughs> there you go. Remember you who go. your math teacher was who taught you how to take care of your bread? So, <laughs> uh, so who, who taught you how to pay back for those real. student loans? So, he, he definitely gonna uh, remember for sure. So, we, we are proud. I mean, these are kids that came from the Parkland learning community. And man, I cannot wait. You know, Dion Hankins is so humble, so amazing. He's so great with the kids. He comes and he talks and he gets on their level. He shakes their hands. I mean, he remembers where he came from. And you, you know, Mr. McDuffie, Tyrone, I mean, he's already past 200 pounds. He's past six feet. He's a big old uh, kid. He, and he, he, he walks time. down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> he walks down the hallways. 200 pounds. <laughs> you, it's a little scary. I, I mean, yeah. I'm 5'3", like and I'm like, hey. <laughs> hey you man. know. Where's, but, your, where's your hall pass? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> he is. He is someone else that is really inspirational because I'm, I was so blessed to have him as one of my students because he was so humble. He actually uh, spoke to our faculty. Um, I think like two years ago, he opened up for our faculty at, at August PD and he talked about inspiring and who inspired. And, you know, he talked about Dr. Anna and he talked about me and you know, I was there a hot mess, like I would say it's a hot mess express. I was crying, you know, but it's so, it's the best feeling in the world. And I know you're like a first year teacher, but you're going to have that one moment or, and it's going to keep on happening. You're going to have that moment of like, man, this is why I do it. I mean, I, I might be crying at night, stressed out, but this is why I teach. And I think that is so important for educators all over the, all over the nation, all over the world, is to know their why of why they teach. And when I hear his story, and I hear my students come back and just say, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, I I really love math now because of you," or you hear Tyrone talk, or you hear a uh, Dion talk. I mean, it's so inspirational for yourself as an adult because it it gives you that fuel to keep on going. I mean, teaching's hard right now. I mean, it's it's tough. Mm. Being an administrator is tough during a pandemic. And man, to hear these kids be so successful and to thank you at the end of what they say. Um, I mean, the waterworks will start flowing, but it makes you grateful <laughs> in your heart. It makes you 
it makes it worth it every single day. It makes you wake up in the morning and be grateful to show up to work. And that's what it's all about. You know, if you want the honest truth about anything, ask a kid. They'll tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. They'll tell oh, my you God. if you look really? a hot mess. They tell you if, why aren't you wearing mascara today? <laughs> They'll tell you, uh, oh, Dr. Reina, your eyebrows look fleek today. <laughs> they notice every little thing. And if they're bored, they'll tell you. And yep. if they don't like what's going on in their school, they'll tell me. They will tell me. They will stop me in the hall and tell me why we got to do this. Why is this like this? And then I'll tell them, well, what do you want to see? I mean, you know, like a, ask a kid. If kids, if you could run the school, what would you do? And you'd be right. surprised some of the ideas that these kids have. And so, you know, we just, we need to, we really need to open up more to our kids and give them an opportunity, like Ms. Viega says, to have voice because we're the adults. And of course we have structure and we run things but truly we're there to serve them. They are our customers. The mm -hmm. parents, of course, you know, we love our parents, but they are not our customers. The wow. customers are the kids. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to better this experience for you? Because before you know it, they're gone. Three years, Ooh. they're gone. Mm -hmm. That's true. That so fast. It's, it's, it's quick. <laughs> quick. And no, then, but go I was going to say, no, I was going to say about the exposure thing. That's huge because I was those kids when I was younger and, I didn't even think about college and none of my parents, I don't, I don't know anybody in my family who went to college. So uh, just seeing like uh, older, my brother, you know, his friends and then they play football and they signed scholarships to go to college. I just thought they went to play football. I didn't think about the school side of it. So like being exposed and seeing somebody, like y'all said, the, the, the guys who come back and walk the halls and they see, Hey, I went here and I did this. That's huge for kids. Cause I, <laughs> I didn't think about college until I, you know, played football. And then when I signed my scholarship and everything, I'm like, oh, man. So now I go back to my high school and I speak to the kids just to let them know, hey, football is cool. But, you know, the education comes with it. You have to go to school. You still have to pass classes, you know, and you can get a degree, you know. It's yep. not yeah. just football. You, you, you walk out of that school with four years of football or five years of football and you walk out with a degree. That's the important part. So. Mm -hmm. Exposure is huge, man. It's huge. <laughs> And I, and I want to add to that. Um, it's my thing. Hello. All right. <laughs> it was echoing for a second. But um, no, like I noticed as well, like with my own daughter, you know, just the modeling of what they see. Like when you when the kids they see something and they literally just mimic it to the T. And it's like when I can identify with it, the model is so much stronger for me. You know, it's something that I can really say, like, I could take this and I, I am for sure going to be what I see my cousin being or what I see my classmate being or somebody that looks like literally like he looks just like me. I could be that. OK, well, let me go home and try to do some research and figure out or maybe let me hook up with this person as a mentor or things like that. Just being able to give those kids that hard like, yes, you can be this. This person looks like you. This person uh, comes from your background. You could be that person. I think that's like. The most powerful that's i mean that's that right there is the epicenter of it that's what we want to be able to find for our youth so i love that but but mr self-care himself has some uh self-care questions for y'all no well you know with the with the holidays i guess we're done with the christmas holidays but with the new year coming new year everybody has their new year's resolution 2021 y'all talk about how you know i know how i can't say tough because you know like i said it's it's a it's bittersweet you know teaching this year just different so you know with the pressure and everything what's some self-care ideas what do you guys use when you get home from a hard day work or school and 
you know, the kids are kind of stressing out, job kind of stressing out. What do you do when you get home on those days? And when he says get home, he means log off for you. Oh, <laughs> log off. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, when you log off. Look, I went to school. I, I went to school back in the day when we went. To school, so <laughs> we I, actually went to school back in the day. <laughs> yeah. 2020 is going to go down in history books. And we're going to be like, the year we gained 15 pounds at home Ooh. and 13 pounds for a full year. Um, yeah. But to me, my self-care is silence. Ooh. I love me a good hour of just sitting in pure silence. I don't even like, I've watched less TV during this time. This is the most TV I've watched during Christmas holiday, but this is the least amount of TV and like cell phone kind of, you know, that I've really been connected, except for TikTok. TikTok's really addictive. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Um, but I like silence. I think right now more than ever, teachers need so much self-care, whether it's reading a book or just sitting in a bubble bath or, you know, spending time with their family one thing is silence for me and another thing is cycling i do indoor Ooh. cycling i have my bike behind me and i just get on that thing and ride every single amount of stress every mile i'm like great you got a peloton you got a peloton over there is that what that is, is that peloton <laughs> yeah uh no i do um it's indoor cycling with rush cycle but i brought the bike home because i had two recent surgeries which the overcame those and were good and and, but I think the really important things um, for myself is just taking some me time because, mm. I mean, when we first started online teaching in March, I was on my computer probably from 6.45 in the morning all the way to 1 or 2 in the morning that day. I mean, getting acquainted and getting your bearings. And now that we've kind of gotten more of a routine and a schedule, I, it's 5.30 and my like computer is shut. Like, that's it, you know, because I say, no, 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 I need time for me. I need to take care of myself. I need to invest in myself. Dr. Anna is the number one person in investing in her teachers. Um, but most importantly, we need to invest in ourselves. Mm. So it's really important to take care of yourself and to take a time out when you need a time out. Um, and just really listen to your body and listen to your mind and your heart. Um, and when you're tired, you just need to take a time out sometimes. And um, it's it's difficult sometimes to take a time out, you know, especially when I have my own son and, you know, being a wife and, you know, the Amazon person is ringing the doorbell all the time. <laughs> you a lot of Amazon, no. <laughs> so it's really, sometimes it's hard, but, you know, just taking time for yourself, enjoying the weekends, like stopping, stop the work on the weekends. And Ooh. so all the teachers out there, you too, personal <laughs> teacher, stop working on the weekend. You need to disconnect <laughs> for a little bit and take care of yourself. So that's me. I know Dr. Raina, she's a principal. So I need to hear. <laughs> yeah, we need to all hear Dr. Raina. She's still smiling. So she got to, she got to <laughs> Um, let's see, I guess some of the things that I'm doing right now, um, so on the side, uh, a side hustle, I, um, I mentor PhD students, so, um, who are going through their dissertation process, and so, um, one of the students, actually, that I've hooked up with is, 
So my former kindergarten teacher, Ms. Chavez, y'all remember Ms. Chavez? Yeah. So um, she was this, she was a teacher and I was a student. Now the roles have reversed. Uh, she is the PhD student and I am the teacher. So um, circle. yeah, so really did come full circle with her. Um, UTEP actually did a really great story on us. Um, I need to send you the link to that. Um, but they, uh, they, they did a, a story on, you know, kind of how it all came together and, and so I, um, so she's going through her dissertation process and I have a couple of other students who I help them edit their dissertations and just give them advice. And so I work with them um, kind of on the side. And then um, I also want to get back into writing. I haven't really written anything since, well, I want to say since my dissertation, but I did write a couple of essays for my state teacher of the year application. So um, I do want to start writing again to submit uh, to journal articles and kind of get back in that uh, scholarly uh, mode that I used to be in. And then other than that, um, I've really gone back into fitness. So um, I have a personal trainer and I've been um, working out for, this is what, this is going to be, this is my sixth week. So just every day, going, every day going to the gym. Oh, it's week seven. Okay. Every day going to the gym and as much as possible, you know, trying to get those gains and trying to just, you know, kind of like Ms. Viega says, like, I want to be the ve the best version of me so that I can give the best version of myself to, you know, my family and, um, you know, my uh, employees there at my school. And so I know I don't want to feel sluggish. You know, I don't want to feel um, like I gained the COVID-15. Thank God I didn't, but, you know, um, I just want to make sure that, you know, I get those endorphins going and, you know, because it's all about, you know, your mental state and, you know, we've all gone through, you know, COVID's hit all of us in one way or another. Um, yeah, my older, <laughs> my older son's dad actually uh, passed from COVID um in October so it was really hard on our family and you know so you know it's it's been a struggle you know it's been you know a private struggle but I have shared those struggles with my faculty and staff um because I want them to know that you know I sure I'm the principal and they're the teacher but at the end of the day like we're all people and it's hit us all the same and so you know I've done my share of of uh, crying in front of my staff. And sometimes, you know, I think it's okay. They need to see that, you know, we're all human beings and they've been amazing and supportive. And I couldn't have asked for a better um, faculty, but, you know, just trying to get better. Like I wanna be better because I know that we're doing great things now, but I think COVID, if it's, if it's anything, you know, it's gonna be a blessing in disguise to education because I think it's really catapulted us to be more innovative mm -hmm. and this is the time for us to try new things and so I'm always like thinking like what are what is something new that we can bring that we weren't able to do before and so the only way for me to kind of keep my mind where it needs to be is to make sure that like my mind and my body are like where, where they need to be. So that's something that I've really been investing in is just myself. And, um, you know, I'm, I think yesterday was the first time I opened my laptop in days. It was really, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was really nice yep. because yeah, I know, you know, we're going to hit the ground running in spring and there's a lot coming down the pipes and, you know, there's a lot of stress and expectation and people have anxiety and they're looking to me to make them feel safe. And so, you know, it's just 
making sure that I'm good to go when the teachers come back. So those are kind of things that I've been kind of working on. I, I love that. I love that. With Jay Jones, what you doing for some self care, Mister Self Care himself? Oh man, well, lately here, been traveling. Yeah. <laughs> Travel. That's kind of weird, but lots of things they said. I read books, but I went to Houston to see my family, Beaumont, Houston. I ended up at the casino. Um, uh, I ended up at the Cowboys game on Sunday. Um, I just when we have breaks from work. I work in mental health. So when I have a break from work, I take a that break, <laughs> you know, you know, I take a break, like for real, my phone's on the other side of the room. I'm, I'm laying down, meditating, anything. I just kind of break away from like, she's like, uh, like Michelle said an hour or two. I break away from people. Carrie's seen me before. I'm, <laughs> he used to say I lay under a rock. Like, he's like, this guy, could, I, I don't he's need Patrick. Patrick from, from Patrick from SpongeBob. I just I lift my rock up. I'm like, oh, all right, I'm back, you know? So, um, yeah, I just try to keep my my mental really, really good because uh, working in mental health, you kind of you give a lot. You know, you you have to you have to give a lot. You take everybody's problems in and you try to give them advice. And like y'all say, you see growth in people, and some people you don't see any growth, and you're like, I'm trying to help you. Want to help you? I want to help you. I want to help you, but can't help somebody who don't want to be helped. So, uh, yeah, I do a lot of things. Uh, I even. Turn my PlayStation 4 on the other day. I ain't did that in two months. So. Huh, I just try to take, when I do have time to take care of myself, traveling, reading, anything really. Absolutely. <laughs> he's, been, he's been growing his beard. He's been growing his yeah, beard I've out. Been, that's a I, have a beard. I have a beard kit. <laughs> I have a beard kit now. Uh, that's one thing. I take care of that. <laughs> but yeah, less phone, more just activity. Just really, less technology, more activity. See, I, I've been trying to get into nature a little bit. Like, I've been trying to get into, like, the whole, like, sitting outside and getting that silence Michelle was talking about. Like, just, like, no noise, which is kind of hard at times, you know, because we live in, like, more urban areas because El Paso, you know, you got the road, you're going to hear some cars or whatever. But I try to get out to, you know, some nature and just, like, find some peace and just my silence and just being out there because um, I think it's important that we listen to our inner self, man, like, any way we can find more of who we are, deep down, I think we give out more to the people that we care about and the people that we're trying to help. So that's like my constant search, man. I'm, I'm trying to find more ways to express myself. I have been writing as well, Dr. Raina. I've been writing a little bit. So I've been trying to, you know, just, just figure out things I used to always love to do and do those in my spare time with this break. Mm -hmm. Because when we get back, then, you know, I want to be able to get these kids more than I gave them already. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what that looks like, but you know, we gotta be figuring it out. We gotta be innovative. We are pioneers. We pioneers. are pioneers. So y'all doing great. Y'all are doing great. We are pioneers. So you know I, I do have a question with self-care kind of sort of because you know like I said it is the new year is what two days? In two days, yeah. Whew. Tomorrow new tomorrow year. is Eve, yeah. So so new year's resolution. You can just give me one, two, three. You have a big one. It's a one, two, three. <laughs> you have, you know, stepping stones towards something. Like, what's a goal? What's a New Year's resolution? Because I want to, I want you, this will be on YouTube and you can go back in 2022 and you can look at what you said. Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's keeping us accountable. That's exactly what that is. I think maybe we could do this. I could do one and then Dr. Anna can do one and then we'll have another one. So okay. It gives us some time to think. Um, 
so my first resolution, I think I'm going to do it teacher wise first. Mm -hmm. I think my first resolution is, um, you know, because I've always been super outside of the box, very like unorthodox you know I've always been that one teacher is like super loud down the hallway um I I want one of my resolutions is I want to allow the students um more choices and I want to allow the students to drive their education a lot more this year um in 2021 because I have seen a little I've gotten a little taste of it and I love what I see and I want my students to grow in more than just their education. I want them to grow in their confidence as well. So I want them to be like a driving force of what we're doing in the classroom, like giving me ideas and accepting them and um, taking more risks than what I already take. Um, just because I love what I see in my class virtually. And I said, whoa, I could have been doing this all my 13 years. and I just, I love it and it makes, it ignites like this fire inside me. And once something's ignited, like it doesn't go out. <laughs> so I, I want it, I like, if I see it and I can feel it, I want it to happen. So I, I really want, you know, my students to just take full gear and drive the bus and drive the car into the end of 2021 of this school year um, and just have them really feel successful because they did it on their terms. So especially that we're going to be a blended learning campus um, coming in in 2021, 2022. So, yeah, I want our kids to take take the wheel. Like I always say, Jesus needs to take the wheel. But now I want my kids to take the wheel and you know, <laughs> take, have power and have them feel what power feels like and what it tastes like. So that way they know that they can do big things when they get older. So that's one. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, and you know, I typically don't do New Year's resolutions, <laughs> but I think this year is really special. Um, let's see. Well, I think I'm going to try to, um, so I, I don't know if you've ever, you guys have ever heard um, of this organization, it's called Leaders in Heels. And so, um, I actually run the El Paso chapter for Leaders in Heels. A lot of people don't know that about me. And so um, I really haven't put a lot of attention or effort into it. And so the whole point of Leaders in Heels, and you can look it up, it's a national um, organization and I have uh, oversee the El Paso affiliate is to grow more female leaders um, in our city. And so I think I'm going to um, kind of take a little nosedive and start giving that the attention it deserves and start growing more female leaders. Um, and I just, that's something that I'm really passionate about. You know, I think um, you know, sometimes women just need that push, you know, sometimes we're in situations and we're always worried about everybody else, you know, you know, our husbands, our kids, you know, our parents, and, and we never really focus on us. And so um, I think that's something that I would like to do is to put a little bit more of myself into that project. Um, 
And then I think the other thing is to continue to grow what we're doing, you know, at our school, there's just so much potential. There are a lot of teachers on our campus that I see these sparks in as future principals because I'm not going to be doing this forever. I mean, you know, eventually I'm going to move on to something else and like growing the next, um, you know, the next uh, generation of leaders will, you know, someone believed in me and gave me a chance and grew me and so you know there's a couple of people that I want to kind of tap into and start mentoring um and I really think that you know they can they can do what I do and do it even better you know and you know we have such <laughs> Mr. Sloan's like <laughs> Mr. Sloan you can't join my leaders in heels but I can't oh, man I was talking about Miss Viegas man don't do me like that don't do me like that I ain't got no heels I ain't got no heels <laughs> But, you know, I think just trying to, um, you know, grow others, you know, of course, I want to grow myself and continue to grow professionally. There's a lot that I want to accomplish. And, you know, I have long term goals, and that's all good and fine. But I think right now, you know, I enjoy what I'm doing. And I want other people to see how great it is to be a school leader um you know and i talked when i remember i know when we talked a little bit we i talked to you a little bit about how you know teachers are still scared to get called to the principal's office you know and i don't want to be that person like i i i think it's okay for there to be a little bit of fear but not that <laughs> yeah um, you know, I think that's okay but it's more you know i want the relationship between principal and teachers to really change um, it's not what it used to, you know, the kids that we had in our classrooms five years ago are not the kids that we have now. Totally the teachers that we had in classrooms five years ago are not the teachers that we have now. So I think we really need to adapt and look at that relationship between school administrators and teachers. And we really need to put more um, faith in what teachers can do, because I think they've clearly shown that they can overcome and they can adapt. I mean, look at what they've done this past year. So I'm really interested in, you know, growing my teachers and, um, you know, growing others. I think that's just, you know, I, I'm just, I love to serve and that's what I want to do is just make an impact on as many people as possible, because one day I'm going to retire and, you know, that's, you know, what are you going to leave as your legacy? I mean, it's great to be wonderful. And, you know, uh, you know, Miss Vegas, you know, she's being Texas teacher of the year, but eventually all that hoopla goes away. And then what, what did you really, you know, what did you leave? What did you leave at your school? What did you leave with, within your kids? And so that's really like the big goal down the line. Like, that's what I'm looking at. Absolutely. But that's, that's what I'm thinking. So I guess I'll come back in 2022 and see if I, uh, Jarell, if I did all, that, all that I said I would. Jarell gonna hold you accountable now. That's Mr. He, 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 he got is. you. He got you. Got my eye on you. <laughs> but, uh, man, so I, I got a, I got a question for the both of y'all before I let y'all go. Because Jay Jones, we'd have had them for a good amount of time. These are busy ladies. You know, we appreciate yeah. y'all coming and sharing time with us. But, um, I guess I want to start with this one piece of advice you would have for a parent with a student and you guys are parents as well. All right. The both of you are parents. So one, one piece of advice we have for a parent of a student going through this pandemic, you know, going through this time, this virtual environment, how tough it's been on everybody is no secret. Um, what would you guys say from the side of, because I, I know that sometimes parents, 
they just kind of throw their hands up at times. They don't know what to do. You know, we all been in that situation. We don't know what to do. So what would be your piece of advice coming from uh, your standpoint? So I think uh, the number one thing um, for parents is right now being a parent is really difficult because not only did you become part of the education system yourself, but you are also for some of them, they're working parents or they gave up their jobs in order to fulfill their child's education. Um, but the one piece of advice that I give to parents everywhere is to never give up on your child. Mm. And although education might be hard at home, just believe in your child. I think that's the number one thing that I really feel is missing from a lot of our middle school students is they say, well, my parents don't believe in me as much as I wish that they would. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just would love for all our parents out there is to just encourage them no matter how hard it gets to believe in them and to love them unconditionally. And number one on the list is take the opportunity to build a stronger relationship with your child during this time. Because what, what a blessing in disguise is that COVID took a safe haven of school and took it away from your child. And that was the place where they felt the most safe. And we have to give it, you know, reality is that not every child has a loving home and not every child has um, a good home to go to. But those parents that are there for their child, Maybe they're not there during the day for the school, but when they get home is just, I always say that the biggest question for teachers, for parents, and I actually was a keynote speaker for our uh, parent involvement and um, engagement, you know, convention that we had in Isleta ISD is the number one question is to ask, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. That's such a powerful question four words, how are you doing? And you would be surprised if you just take the time to listen to your child and love your child and listen to your child is to know what they are going through. And that connects into mental health, into your emotional state, into how you're going to develop as an adult. Because if you feel that your parents care for you and love you, then you're going to love the people around you. So that's the number one thing. And yeah, try to teach them the algebra and the calculus and the history. Try to do your best. <laughs> Parents, it's hard. I am a parent and it is difficult. But every single day, ask your child, how are they doing? Are they okay? And love them, encourage them, and just believe in them. I think that's the best advice that I could give during COVID, during a pandemic, um, because that will kind of put everything into perspective if your child knows that you love them they're going to do amazing amazing things absolutely absolutely and dr reina um well you know i think you know Ms. vegas is right you know a lot of us that have been in schools we've also been teachers i know i'm a i've been a kindergarten teacher here for the past few months oh my god those people <laughs> are going to heaven like it is so difficult and but what a blessing, like she says, for me to have been involved in, you know, 
in literally been in my child's classroom each and every day to see what he is going through, you know, um, within his first year of school. And, and it's hard because, you know, we're trying to run faculty meetings of over 100 people and make sure my son has his Santa poem for stations in like five minutes. Like it's a lot of stress on parents. And I don't think sometimes we take the time to appreciate how much parents are trying to do. And, you know, at the end of the day, if it's going to be between checking to see if your kid has the Santa poem or going to work to buy groceries, you're going to go to work to buy groceries. And that's just the way it is. And so, you know, I think parents have it hard enough. If it's hard for us professionals who work in schools and are educators, I can just imagine for people who are not. But I think for me, the things that we need to do, and, and I know this because as I do walkthroughs in my teacher's classrooms and I talk to kids, you know, it's just to celebrate every little thing you can, like anything. You know what? Your kid didn't do any work today but he logged into every single class. Yes, he just sat there, but hey, <laughs> he logged way. in and that's half the battle. And let's celebrate that he logged in and let's encourage him tomorrow to maybe do some work in two classes. And then maybe he'll do that and we'll encourage him and we'll tell him good job and give him a high five because fact of the matter is we're not there to high five them and give them the fist bumps that they're used to, right? And so imagine what these kids are gonna come back to us like. I mean, we're gonna have, I don't think we understand the gravity of the situation of the mental health of these kids. Mm -hmm. And yeah, some kids will be fine. You know, some kids, my kid will probably be fine. He's kinder, he'll, you know, he don't know better. But think about these teenagers who have mm -hmm. been isolated and, you know, missing that human connection and, you know, have contemplated suicide and they're coming back to us and we need to receive these kids. We're gonna have to, you know, celebrate every little thing that we see that they do that's positive because a lot of them are missing that. So, you know, if parents can do anything, it's to, again, celebrate, like it's all about celebration. And I do that with my teachers, you know, if I, the, if I have a teacher who logs into the faculty meeting, the very first teacher who comes in, I'm always like, thank you for being the first one here. You're awesome. You're on time. You're, be, you're, you're before everyone, you know, I give them that little encouragement and they get this smile. And these are 30 and 40 year old people, right, 50, 60 still. year old people. I mean, can you imagine if we would just welcome, you know, or thank our kids for the little things that they do, you know? Yeah, they didn't get all work in for all six classes, but you know what they did for five? Well, you know what, celebrate them for the things that they're doing. And I don't think as parents, you know, we always look at what they didn't do. And sometimes I think as educators, we look at what the kids didn't do. You know, we focus our energy, the 80% is on, you didn't do this. Well, what about the things that they did do? You know, and we just need to kind of turn it around and, and focus. And, you know, it works the same with adults. And so I think we just really need to, be, you know, we need to be like the kids say, like, they'll tell me, I talked to Anna, stop being so extra. Well, because, you know, <laughs> I am about everything. Like, I'm super extra. Like, don't come at me because I will bring it. Yeah. And like, don't, I don't bluff me because you think I won't do it. I will sit next to you every day if I need to be your hot date to math. Like, I think I won't do it. And so, you know, one of things is the kids just need someone in their corner and so that's what I would encourage and you know parents don't have to spend six hours sitting next to their kid but it'd be it'd be neat if they started the day with them and ended the day with them you know even just that and if they see them for lunch 
you know, pump them up during that 30 minute lunch break so they have a great afternoon. And, you know, ask them, how did school go today? You know, what did you learn? You'd be surprised. These teachers are doing these amazing lessons. I'm just blown away by, I mean, I see my teachers planning and I'm just like, I mean, they just wow me. Like I, sometimes I just stop them and I just say like, you guys are just like wowing the heck out of me. Like, how did you even put this together? And they're just so innovative and they just love it. They love the kids and they haven't even met these kids mm -hmm. in person and they love them like they're their own kids. So, you know, it's it's tough and we're gonna get back eventually where, where we were and it's gonna take us some time. You know, do we have regression? Yes, we have regression academically. We have regression mentally. I can tell you that there's been regression with our teacher professional growth to some point. Yeah, they learned how to do this and that with Zoom and with Google Meet. But I mean, you know, I haven't had them there with me. They haven't been together, you know, having that rapport face-to-face. -face. They haven't been eating lunch together. All those things are really important to people. You know, whether you're in education or you work in a factory or you know you need that human connection so you know i just think we need to be ready because i think we have our work cut out for us but i mean it's the best job i couldn't ask for for anything better but um i mean you got to give it up to the parents the parents are trying the parents that i've talked to i mean and you know what i had a parent tell me a couple of weeks ago just give them the zero just give them the zero like i'm done and it's like once you talk to that parent like they're going some pretty hard stuff right. i've had right. a few yeah. of my kids um actually this is a really sad story but just to tell you like the gravity of the situation i had a student who was in an english class and the teacher called me and said that the student private message the teacher she lives with her grandma her grandma died of covid in the next room while she was logged into her english class mm. Like, I mean, this is what these kids are going through. Like we've had, like, I've had parents die of heart attacks because of stress. I've had parents lose their job. You know, we've had, you know, we, we just had one of our students lose her older brother who he was murdered. He was a Parkland High School student and he was murdered. They found his body a couple of weeks ago. His little sister goes to our school. I mean, these kids are dealing with a lot of trauma. And so we just really need to be prepared to receive these kids. Not only that, but we have to be prepared to help the parents as well. So and then we have a lot of work to do, but you know, if anyone can do it, I know these teachers can. Yeah, we, we got it, man. We got it. We got it. And it's, I appreciate y'all, man, for, you know, being in it, knowing what you guys are doing, uh, listening to the both of you speak. It's like, Jay Jones, I wish these was, I wish this was my principal and my teacher when I was in school. You know I told you I wanted I, to go back to middle school. <laughs> I think I'm ready to go back now. I think now I'm ready to go ahead and <laughs> But uh, no, man, really seriously, in all seriousness, it's, it's a blessing um, being able to have you guys grace our platform and just kind of share some information that some people outside of education may not know about, you know, some of these things are, we, we're always concerned about the kids, you know, it's always, I, when people ask me things, I, sometimes I say my kids, I don't have, you know, a hundred something kids, but they're my kids in my mind, you know what I mean? Like, I, lo I love these kids, I care about these kids. And uh, I feel that in you guys, and that's why I chose the profession, man. And Jay Jones, I know as far as with all of this, the positive reinforcement is something that we always learned when I worked in mental health, it's just kind of being able to positively reinforce people uh, is always going to be the most powerful than the negative. So I love that you said that, Dr. Raina. But it's been beautiful. 
Thank you guys. And thank uh, you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Jay Jones, you got any words for him? Thank you. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank, thank, uh, you thank you, thank you, thank you, thank uh, you. No, y'all, yeah, y'all taught me a lot, and man, I really appreciate y'all. Um, appreciate what y'all are doing. I know I couldn't. So, uh, <laughs> hey man, I'm doing big things. Well, I, I, I personally, I know we would both like to thank you guys for giving us this opportunity to talk on this platform because, you know, we love for our story to be heard and we love to have our story out there and represent Northeast El Paso. We're the heart of the Northeast, but um, we'd like to thank the both of you. And Carrie, I would personally like to thank you because you represent 2% of male African-American teachers in all of the nation. So you are 2% and um, many, many, many students need to have African-American male teachers in their lives. And so I thank you for that. Thank you for choosing education. It's not an easy um, field to go into, but I personally would like to thank you and thank you for advocating, um, Darrell, for us and for teachers uh, because your stories, whether you think it or not, is so inspiring to other young individuals um, and, you know, the people that you helped drill and everything like it's so important um, to really get your voice out there. So thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Um, we appreciate you and we can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. <laughs> It'll be out soon. It'll be out soon. Give us at least a week. Give us a little. <laughs> thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for having us. I mean, just for even showcasing, you know, the things that we do on the daily in our school. We're always looking to put our school on the map and our school definitely is on the map. You know, I have such a white network now of uh, educators through Twitter. I mean, I could have never imagined thousands of people, you know, that I network with each and every day. I have so many private messages from principals asking me, you know, for guidance or, you know, I saw you did this or that was so cool about this. And then I see something on their page and, you know, it's all about building that network. And, you know, the internet has given us that gift of really having, you know, outside of our, the four walls of our building, just expanding the network so that we can continue to learn and to serve our kids. And in the end, that's what it matters. It's all about the kids. And so thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Oh, man. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. And uh, we are out. Y'all be blessed. Go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. <laughs> I'm